Hi, this is Tony Funica, Cover Magazine. I'm speaking to Kingsley Williams, the Chief Investment Officer at Satrix. Kingsley, thank you very much for talking to me this afternoon. Great, thanks for having me, Tony. 2020 has been quite a tough year for most people, and um, contrary to what we would like to think, um, 2021 is just a continuation, and um, we have to accept and take into account what has developed over the last 12 months. That taken into account, um, Kingsley, can you give us some of your key insights into the investment landscape for 2021, please? Yeah, thanks, Tony. Um, yeah, I, I've often said it uh, in some of my discussions uh, with, you know, with my colleagues at, um, as we started this year is that uh, I think many of us have far lower expectations for 2021 than we did at the beginning of 2020, you know, the start of a new decade, etc. Uh, I guess mm-hmm. none of us could have foreseen what 2020 had in store for us. Um, but I think we're a lot more sober to to what it may look like after having experienced uh, what 2020 threw at us. Um, but yeah, in terms of markets, I mean, we don't generally want to make predictions. Um, I'm, I'm always wary of predictions because uh, there's often one thing that you can say about them and that's it, <laughs> that they'll be wrong. Um, but, you know, we did see, uh, you know, some some interesting things take place during the course of 2020. And I think that does uh, provide some clues in terms of what to watch out for in the coming year. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, in particular, we saw quite a big disconnect, uh, you know, in our local equity markets across the different uh, sectors with uh, resources holding up extremely well. Um, and by resources, I mean your your, your mining companies such as Anglo's, BHP Billiton, um, the gold miners, as well as some of the platinum stocks. So those, those counters doing particularly well. Um, and then on the you know on the negative side our our financial sector taking taking particular uh, pain um, and, and and underperforming the market quite significantly there was quite a strong bounce in the financial sector in the last quarter of 2020 and I think you know that has a lot to do with uh, increased confidence uh, around a rebound uh, and you know, that being reflected in, in some of the financial counters re-rating. Uh, and, and, and certainly, you know, our financial sector globally is, you know, is highly regarded um, in, in terms of the way it operates and functions and the risk management and the controls that, that have been implemented within our sector. I mean, that really came through in the global financial crisis, which uh, really plagued the, the rest of the world in which to, you know, from a financial market perspective, we... We held up quite well, um, but yeah, I think those are two interesting sectors to watch. Um, mm. You know, as we roll forward into 2021, and as we hopefully start to realise some of the recovery economically uh, in Main Street, which the uh, in quotes Wall Street has been uh, reflecting in its re-rating over the course of 2020. Kingsley, your average investor is obviously quite wary of markets and investments. They're not too certain as to what's going to happen, difficult to make decisions, etc. If we look at the last couple of years, maybe last sort of eight years or so, ETFs have become very popular and settled 
into being a good option for investors. One of them being um, the fact that it is um, quite affordable. Can you give us your views on the impact um, on, of last year on ETFs? We've certainly seen um, ongoing support of index-based investments. Um, you know, Fatrix focuses specifically on offering those types of products to our client base. And, you know, we have seen continual strong uh, growth in that segment of the market with investors increasingly adopting index-based uh, strategies into their portfolios. And it's really not a case of, you know, active versus passive. I think we've moved past those kinds of debates a long time ago. Um, you know, it's it's about active investors. In fact, all investing is is very much an active endeavor. It requires numerous active decisions. Even if part of that investment strategy is using a so-called passive uh, strategy or, or, or product, um, investors are increasingly realizing that there's a lot of... Uh, you know, control and certainty and diversification and transparency that they can achieve in the construction of their portfolio by using these uh, low-cost products like ETFs, um, you know, to construct their broader portfolios. And, you know, in addition, you know, Satrix in particular has brought a lot of new products to the market during 2020. And, you know, that was uh, an interesting uh, endeavor you know, work, with everyone working at home and not having the the benefit of being able to stage um, listing events and the like. Uh, but part of bringing those additional products to market has really enabled investors to have more choice in the way that they construct their portfolios. So, for example, we brought um, a Satrix China ETF uh, to the JSC towards the latter part of last year. And you know that we do have exposure to China on our market in the form of Nasdaq, but it, it it exists essentially through one share, and that shares exposure to ten cents. But mm -hmm. China is a massive economy and has uh, you know a huge number of companies included in it. And you know through the simple purchase of a single share on the JSC, you can get exposure to that entire uh, economy, which continues to to grow. Uh, you know, in these low growth environments. So that's quite an exciting uh, offering that we've been able to bring to market and would certainly have contributed to uh, the growth that we've seen and ongoing adoption of investors using these kinds of strategies in their portfolios. Mm, yeah, I've certainly seen from sort of my um, perch that I'm on here that it's, um, it has sort of settled and there's no, no debate anymore around whether ETF should be in your portfolio. Um, it's just an accepted now. Um, if we move on a little bit to something that um, has also become um, quite popular, but for very good reasons, um, the ESG investment um, with you know sustainability being definitely top of mind for most people in business. Um, uh, what sort of impact has that had on the market and um, how do you see that going forward? Yeah, sustainability and uh, ESG, I guess, is a subset of that along with impact investing and active ownership and uh, responsible uh, investing. All of, you know, all of these themes along with climate change are arguably, 
uh, part of a significant mega trend that we are living through currently as um, markets realign to understand the, uh, you know, that not all profits are created equally. And, you know, there was actually a study done by Harvard Business School showing that some companies, in fact, create more than a dollar of environmental damage for every dollar of their sales. And those are what what are actually referred to as externalities, which which are not going to be reflected in a typical income statement or or balance sheet when when analysing company purely or analysing companies purely through a financial lens. And so there's increasing pressure from investors, from governments, from uh, activists, and, and 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 various stakeholders, whether that be staff, customers. Uh, the community within which uh, these companies operate to make sure that companies are doing right uh, over and above, uh, you know, being sustainable purely from a profitability perspective. It can't just be from a random sense perspective. It has to factor in some of these other considerations. And um, certainly climate change is a very topical, uh, uh, you you know, um, point on, on any news feed that you read these days. Um, and you know some of the products which we've been able to bring to market last year make a big um, impact not only from an ESG perspective, so looking at environmental, social, and governance issues, but also specifically trying to reduce uh, the carbon intensity and carbon emission intensities of the companies that we hold uh, within the portfolio. Um, mm-hmm. But also mindful of the risk that many investors are concerned about. You know, if you want your broad developed market exposure, typically you gain that through an MSCI world. Or if you want your broad emerging market exposure through MSCI emerging markets, but also want to take a strong stance from an ESG or uh, emissions perspective, uh, you need to marry those two things quite carefully. And so, you know, some of the strategies that we've brought to market actually do that, um, you know, with without taking your eye off the ball from a, from a global market return perspective, you can achieve these other ESG and carbon emission uh, objectives as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, certainly if you, can, if you profess to be a client-centric business, then you have to take into account how does uh, creating your business and developing your profits um, actually impact your client in a, in, a, in a quite different way than just the product that you deliver to them. Um, exactly. So, exactly. Yeah. It's all about mm. having that, um, you know, that license to operate. Um, and there's, yeah. you know, it's often a, it's often an informal thing. It's not, uh, it's not something you can, you, you know, tangibly identify. But, you know, when there are controversies, uh, when companies fall foul of these norms that are accepted within the societies within within which they operate, you know, that's when the risk is really exposed. And ESG mm-hmm. tries to manage these things uh, by ensuring that companies are doing right over and above just generating a healthy, healthy bottom line. Yeah, brilliant. I how investing and um, uh, investment companies like yourself are stepping up to that um, to deliver on that. Kingsley, thank you so much for um, taking time to talk to me today and for your sharing your thoughts with our audience. Absolute pleasure, Tony. Thanks for having me.